So this morning as we look at John chapter 5, we see that Jesus Christ lays out a testimony of truth for us. Because, and he says in verse number 31, this interesting thing, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. And we look at this and we think, what in the world is Jesus saying? He's God. How can he not bear witness of truth? Let me just lay out a couple of things that's going on here. First off, he's speaking to people who looked at the law, like Deuteronomy chapter number 19 and verse number 15. It says, one witness shall not rise up against any man for any iniquity or for any sin. And any sin that he sinneth, that the, uh, at the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses, the matter shall be established. And so these men understood that the law was teaching that, listen, if a person is going to establish a truth, then it must be uh, established in the mouth of two or more witnesses. And so some in the crowd that day would have wanted to hear a testimony from someone else. Okay, you say you're the son of God. Prove it. That would have been their, their, their response to Christ's claim here. And so Jesus Christ then is responding in kind. And he's beginning to say, listen, let me share with you the witnesses that testify the same things that I've just told you. And so in John chapter number 5, verses 17 and 18, we see what Jesus Christ said about himself. Look back in the chapter with me, if you will, verse 17. And Jesus answered them, my father, which worketh hitherto, and I work. Notice he said, my father, in this work, in this, he was, he, was, he was then, and the Jews understood in verse number 18, that uh, he was making himself equal with God. They understood what he was saying. This claim uh, that he was saying when he said, my father, he was saying, listen, I, am, I, I come from God. I come from him. I am, I'm one with him. No one else could make that claim that day. And so Jesus Christ was saying to all that were near, listen, I come from God. I'm His. We are one. But there's something else that's happening here because as He says, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. He also demonstrates then a unity that is present with Himself and with His heavenly Father. And so as he testifies of truth, he was, he was saying, listen, if I depart from the Father's will, then I couldn't be what I've said I've done. He says, I've lived a life that's perfect. And we're going to look at his works in just a minute. I've lived a life that is righteous. I've lived a life that is following the will of God and the testimony of God. And he says, and so listen, my life is true. My testimony is true because I'm one with the Father. Listen, as God, he never, never, never needed any other to bear witness of him. His witness was sufficient. But because of those who lacked faith in that crowd that day, because of those he desired to be able to put their faith in him, he says, listen, there's some, there's some, uh, some that I want you to hear their testimony as well. In John chapter 5 and verse 31, he is agreeing with verse number 30. He says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear. I judge, and my judgment is judged. He says, listen, I can't do this on my own he says, I and my Father are one. He said, I must do the Father's will. And if at any point he acted independently of his will, and that's why I love the picture of the Garden of Gethsemane. It's one of my favorite places in Scripture because as we come with Jesus into that garden, we see the intenseness of that hour of temptation as blood, sweat, uh, uh, as, as blood seeped from his pores, as drops of sweat, and we saw that anxiety in his life, and yet he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. You see, his will was always in unity with the Father. He said, if it ever departs, then I am not who I claim to be. What a beautiful, beautiful picture God's laid out. 
But he also gives us some testimonies, four testimonies we're going to look at this morning. And we're going to look at the first one is the testimony of John. John the Baptist, we introduced you to him a few weeks, several weeks ago. Because he comes on the scene early in the book of John. He was the forerunner of Christ. And if you look at John chapter 1, verses 20 through 27, we see that uh, John confessed that he was not the Christ, but the voice of one crying in the wilderness. So you can look back in your Bible with me. It will not be on the screen. He says in verse 20, And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They were ready to say John was the Christ, the Messiah. But he said, listen, that's not me. He said, as a matter of fact, the one that comes after me, he says, I'm not even worthy to to latch his shoes or unlatch his shoes. I am am the least of the least when it comes to his presence. You see, John said, I'm not the one that you look for. But there's coming one. You see, even in this, Jesus didn't need to appeal to John's witness. And we'll see that God used... Uh, John's ministry of baptizing to verify who Jesus is in just a moment. But I want you to see that, that Christ didn't need John's witness. In verse number 34 of John chapter 5, look there with me in your Bibles again. He says, but I received not testimony from man. He says, I don't need these things to verify who I am, but I'm going to point to him. I'm going to demonstrate for your sakes that, listen, I am indeed who I say I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. So we see John the Baptist's testimony. Secondly, we see the testimony of Christ's works. In verse number 36 in our text this morning, he says, But I have greater witness than that of John, for the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. Now, this was a greater witness, something greater than anything that John the Baptist might have said or done, because we would see the deaf would be able to hear, amen? The dumb would be able to speak. We would see the blind would see, the leper would be cleansed, the captives would be set free, and the dead would rise from the grave. Isn't that good, amen? I'm telling you what, that is a mighty God right there on display in all of His power and all of the wonderful things that He's done. He says, look at my works. They saw him walk on waves. They saw him still the wind. They saw him calm the sea and turn the water to wine. They saw all of these things. They saw him cleanse the temple and feed great multitudes with just a few loaves of bread. These miracles were performed by his own inherent power. They weren't from anybody else. They were from Jesus Christ because Jesus is God. And that's what he's pointing to here. And it is to these works that he directs their attention to provide proof for the truth of his deity. Jesus says in multiple places in the book of John, and I'm going to give you one example this morning in John 10, 25. He said, I told you and you believed not the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. He says, listen, look at my life. Verse 38, the same chapter, same, same message. Chapter 14, verse 11. Chapter 15, verse 24, over and again, we see that Jesus said, look at the works that I've done. They bear witness of who I am. One commentator said, first, uh, about these miracles, I, I love what he said about the Lord's miracles. He said, first, their number. They were not only a few, but very many. Secondly, we see their greatness. They were not little, but mighty interferences with the ordinary course of nature. And the man in John chapter 5 is a great example. No doctor, nobody could heal this man. Only Jesus could. 
Third, we see their publicity. They were not done in a corner, out of the way, but generally in open day and before many witnesses and often even before His enemies. Fourthly, we see their character. They were almost always works of love. They were works of compassion and mercy. They were helpful and beneficial to man, not merely barren expressions uh, of His power. Fifthly, we see their direct appeal to man's senses. They were visible. Amen? Aren't you thankful when you see God at work? Aren't you thankful when you uh, see God work in a life when somebody puts their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that is still God's power on great display today? There was a difference between them and the boasted miracles of Rome. And in everything he says on all these points is striking and conclusive. He said there's no doubt that the miracles of Jesus were very definitive in defining who he is. Yes, no doubt. If we were to go through our mind and we were to recount all the different miracles, each of us could probably name something different. And John even wrote later in, in the gospel, he said if, the, if we were to write everything that he did, he said the scrolls couldn't contain it all. That's how great of, of, a, of, of a mighty works that Jesus did. And they all bore testimony to the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, there's no man that could do the great things that he's done. And for the many scoffers that day that were in the crowd, I'll remind you that as Christ said these words, He had just performed a very notable miracle. This lame man had been healed, and He simply pointed to these miracles and said, Listen, let these speak for me. I, I love to hear Brother Ronnie Warren sing an evangelist out of our church. He's just a joy. He's, he's one of those guys that is always an encourager. And he's got a ministry of encouragement. If you don't know Brother Ronnie Warren, we only see him on Wednesday nights about two times a year because he's out. Matter of fact, I think he's in Grove, Oklahoma this morning. And he's out ministering to different places. And his ministry is a ministry of encouragement. And he was a, a huge encouragement to our church during COVID. He was in a, a big encouragement uh, even beyond that. He's always been a blessing. But he sings this song that says, Your walk talks and your talk talks. But guess what? Your walk talk talks the loudest. And there's no doubt that in our lives, our works bear witness of us. If your works are dead, guess what? We're going to grieve and dishonor the one whose name we bear. But if our works are good works, if our works are our works that we're following Him, and, and I remind you in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 10 that we have been called unto good works. We are saved for this purpose to live out Jesus Christ and His goodness today in 2021. Jesus isn't here walking the earth, is He? But He is in you and me. And He says, listen, our lives, our testimony, our witness is what the world sees, and they're going to see His goodness in us. Man, what a great calling that he's left for us. In Titus chapter 3 and verse number 8 says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. He says, church, listen, don't stop being good just because, because the Lord has saved you. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid let us continue to do good works. Let us continue to demonstrate grace and love. Listen, this is a time in our nation we have never experienced anything like this, maybe except for the Civil War. But none of us have experienced this time. We've seen rioting. We've seen lootings. We've seen hate coming from people we never thought we would see it from. And this is a time where God's called us to grace. 
to demonstrate the goodness of God in our works. God's called us, church, will you live this out? First and foremost, let's live it in our home. Being kind to my wife. Amen, men? She's on the back row back there, so i got to be good. And then, kind to my children. Kind to those around me. When someone cuts me off in traffic, I say that a lot, mostly probably because it irritates me a lot. But no matter what it may be, God calls us to grace because it will bear testimony of who you serve. But a greater testimony than Christ's works, a greater testimony than John the Baptist, is the testimony of the Father. Verses 37 and 38, he says, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Isn't that so awesome that Jesus wasn't standing on, his, on just his own word, but his heavenly Father also bore witness? And we're going to look at that in just a moment in Matthew chapter 3. You can turn your Bible there in just a minute. But he says, Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. Listen, you would, he said, you wouldn't know the Lord's voice if it slapped you in the face. He said, you wouldn't know who he is. You're so far removed from Him. You've lived this religious life and you've, you've divorced yourself from Him. He said, you wouldn't know Him. And I'm telling you that in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, we see that the voice of the Father has proclaimed the deity of Jesus Christ. Here at His baptism, John the Baptist was there and, G and John was baptizing Jesus in the Jordan. And it says, And Jesus, when He was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, church, but that fires me up. I'm thinking, man, this is Jesus Christ. This is our Lord. It's not just His own authority. It's not just the authority of John the Baptist. It is not just the works, but it's the heavenly Father proclaiming, this is my Son. Man, church, we have great confidence in who we put our faith in today. It's not in a man. It's in God. It's not in uh, someone that, that is uh, now dead and deceased, but one that rose from the dead. Up from the grave, Jesus arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Man, what a glorious thing that we have to sing about. What a glorious opportunity to praise his name because Jesus said, listen, my testimony is a testimony from the Father. And, and we see that demonstrated here, but it's also demonstrated through the voice of the prophets. The Old Testament was something they had, and these men would have been able to reference to. And he talks specifically about Moses later in the chapter. You have Moses. Moses will accuse you. Moses will condemn you, not me. What he's saying was all of the Old Testament prophecies bear witness of me. Those Old Testament prophecies are prophecies that were the voice of God speaking to them in that day and age. You see, God spoke to the prophets and the prophets spoke to the people. In Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, something we commonly uh, share with people during Christmas time. It says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. They were looking for this Messiah. They were looking for someone that was with them. And yet here they were face to face, toe to toe, within inches of God's Son. And they said they rejected Him outright. Finally, I want you to mention the, the last testimony of Jesus Christ. And that's the testimony of the Scriptures in verse number 39. If you will look there with me. It says, search the Scriptures. 
For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He says, listen, you're trusting in your religiosity. You're trusting in your works, and you're trusting in these things. But he said, if you search the Scripture, you're going to find that it testifies of my life. You're going to find that it testifies of me. It is the fourth witness, the fourth testimony. And if we could call, the, if we were to have a trial here, this would be our fourth witness and this fourth witness would come and he would open the word of God and he would say, look at these great words that are spoken before you. These are the words of the Father. These are words that, that the, uh, from the scripture and they testify and affirm the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 in the New Testament, he says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means literally God breathed, God given, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Listen, a lot of people want to get rid of doctrine. They don't they think, well, you know, in this world we've got to just all come together and it'll all be okay. Listen, what distinguishes us from other churches is that we believe the doctrine that's preached and uh, that's taught from the word of God. Doctrine is profitable today. And he says for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You, don't, you need some instruction. God's Word is there for you. It's authoritative. And it says in verse number 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You see, to call to search the Scriptures was both, was both an appeal and a command to these people. There was a call to seek the truth from the testimony of Scripture. The Greek word here that is used is one that is used in connection with hunting. And it referred to the hunter stalking game. You ever been hunting? Man, one of the most boring times is when you're sitting in a tree stand. But one of the most exciting times is when you see one or when you find tracks of one and you're stalking the game. Some of, some of our men in our church just uh, finished up a turkey season. And man, that is some intense fun. You want to have some fun? Uh, it is turkey hunting. Man, you crawl through the weeds like you're playing Rambo or Commando. I don't know. And you're looking, your, your binoculars, and you're making these squawking sounds, praying that the guy next to you doesn't think you're a turkey and blow you away. <laughs> and you're decked out with this camouflage, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm bad. Watch out. And, man, you can't wait to get him in your sights. As soon as you pop up, you see, oh, it's just a hen. And you got to start to hunt all over again. Listen, that's the, the, the kind of intensity, that kind of focus. He says, listen, you've got to give it this kind of your attention. And it's a similar way. We're going to study God's Word, minutely examining each expression, comparing Scripture with Scripture, tracing every occurrence of it, and then making sure we understand its meaning from its usage. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study. Oh, preacher, we don't like that word. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, the careful reason for such the reason for such careful study is that it testifies to us of who Jesus is. You know, when our eyes are on Christ, I don't have time for the problems around me. When I'm looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, I'm telling you what, all of the, the cares of this world seem to melt, melt away, don't they? Man, there's sickness and there's problems and there's financial issues and there's relational issues and all of these things are happening in my life. But I'm telling you, when I get my eyes upon the Lord, then all of these things seem to, to just vanish and diminish. Listen, folks, 
Study to show thyself approved unto God. Learn Him. Know Him. That's where you'll find it is in God's Word today. The Lord Jesus stands ready to receive all that will put their faith in Him. And that's why when we come to John chapter 5 and He says, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. In verse number 40 He says, And ye will not come to Me. What a sad statement. And ye will not come to Me that you might have life. Listen, Jesus stands open and ready. He said, listen, you want to be saved? You want to know who I am? I am here standing in front of you and before you. And today as we look at this situation, we see a tragic rejection in the midst of all of this. Instead of saying, man, Lord, we bow before you. We recognize your authority because not only John the Baptist, not only does your works, not only the Father, but the Scriptures, all of these things testify that you are God. But these men, they saw this, the, 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 the truth. They saw Jesus standing before for them, and they rejected. What a sad, sad testimony. What did they reject? Let me share a couple of things with you as we close this morning. They rejected life. Verse 40, he says, And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. Did you see that? He offers them life. Jesus says in John 1, 3, or John wrote that all things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Remember, Jesus was there at creation. So yes, He's the creator of life, but greater than, and even more so than just the creator. He didn't create and forget. He creates and He gives us purpose today. Your life and my life is not meaningless we're not just here to accumulate as much junk as we can on this earth so that when we're old we have to do something with it. You see, the, the purpose is to bring glory to God. John 10, 10, he says, I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. This was Jesus' call. And it said, it's not just the life where we breathe, but the life of purpose, a life of meaning. And Christ, he stood here ready to receive those who would come, but these men rejected can you imagine what, what would cause someone to reject Jesus Christ? Maybe they didn't understand that they were standing on the brink of the pit, about to, uh, to fall into that, that terrible abyss. Maybe they didn't know that salvation was only inches away from them. Maybe it was a hardness of hearts. Listen, today you may be hearing this testimony. You may be making excuses to yourself. I can't hear them, but God does. And these are some that sometimes I hear. Uh, you know, I'm really not that bad preacher. Don't worry about me. Or maybe, well, preacher, I believe in God. I'm going to be okay. Listen, these lies will put you in the same category as these men. They rejected life and accepted death. We also see they rejected God's love in verse number 42. But I know you that you have not the love of God in you. And he says, he talks about this, and he looks upon these men, and he sees past the outward visage, he sees beyond the regalia, he sees beyond all of the beauty, and he sees the heart. That's a manifestation of Christ's deity. You see, because only God is truly omniscient. Only God can see the heart of the individual. Only God can know you and me, like Christ knew these men. And so these men posed as worshipers of the true and living God. They appeared to be religious. They appeared to be jealous for the honor of God. They claimed to be religious in their observance of the Sabbath, but Christ was never deceived by their lies. They knew, they knew beyond, he knew what they were on the inside. Many people today despise the claims of Christ, not because there is a lack of evidence, but because of a sinful disposition on their part. 
to attend to those claims. Let me just share with you what John, 1 John says. 1 John 4, 12-13, he writes in this epistle, No man hath seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us, and hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. There's an evidence of God's love coming out in your life when you're His. So they rejected His love, they rejected His life, and they chose to accept the lies. Now, later in John chapter 8 and verse number 44, he talks about the devil. And he says this, he's uh, talking to the Pharisees here. He says, you have your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. And when he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. What a tragic rejection these men who were privileged to have the Word of God. Uh, They studied the scrolls. They studied these things. They were around men of great wisdom, and they saw Jesus Christ in the flesh. They spoke to Him face to face. You know, one of my favorite songs is Face to Face with Christ. My Savior, face to face, what will it be? You know, I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. And these men saw Him, and they rejected it. They rejected truth, like Pilate who said, what is truth, as he stared at Jesus Christ, not knowing that it was just inches from him. Listen, Israel's rejection of Christ was a tragic, tragic thing, but this is what Jesus points to in verse number 43. He says, I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. You see what happened was their rejection of Jesus has paved the way for them to accept the Antichrist. And one day they will be tragically misled by a a ruler that will deceive many. And that nation will, will suffer terribly at his hands. So why do we accept lies? Why is it that we like the lies of the world or the cares of the world more than we care for Christ. Let me just lay out a couple of things that Jesus laid out here in verse 44. He says, because we see first off, because we're surrounded by the cares of this world. We're consumed with everything that goes on here. He talks about honor in verse number 44. And seek not the honor that cometh from God only. This honor signifies praise. And these Jews, they they wanted the praise of men. They wanted their chief aim was to win the good opinion of one another. They didn't care about God. And when we have a, a greater concern for those around us than we do for the Lord, then we're in trouble. Proverbs 29, verse 25, The fear of a man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. When we're consumed with the fear of man, over the fear and the love of God, then we, are, we will never respond by faith. But also, the tragedy is that we love our sin. Verses 45 through 46. Do not think that I will accuse you. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. You see... They said, listen, we want to to accept our traditions. We want all of this old stuff. We love what we are doing more than we love the world. And many people have told me over the years as I've witnessed to people and shared with them the hope, the life, the, 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 the opportunity for them to be saved through Christ. Say, listen, I don't want to give up what I'm doing right now. 1 John 2, 15 and 15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I'm going to repeat that statement just for a moment. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. You see, these men boasted in the, relation, the fellowship and the fellowship of Moses, but the reality was they re rejected Moses' testimony. They loved their sin instead, and the human heart is deceptive, and it deceived them. And that's why Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And this world is full of ways today. He said, listen, you can follow this path or this path or this path. But Jesus said, I am the way. There's only one today. These men that gathered around Christ that day, they heard his testimony. They heard John the Baptist's testimony. They saw Christ's works. They heard the testimony of the Father and the Scriptures. And yet they refused to believe. They tragically said, listen, we reject your testimony today. That does not have to be your response. The truth is God offers you the opportunity to respond by faith. God offers you the opportunity to come by faith and to be saved because God loves you. Ken Davis shared a story in his book about what it means really to believe in something. And, and he said this, in college, I was asked to prepare a lesson to teach my speech class. And so we were great in our creativity and ability to drive home a point in a very memorable way. And so the title of his talk was simply, The Law of the Pendulum. And so he spent 20 minutes carefully teaching the physical principle that governs a swinging pendulum. A pendulum goes left to right and left to right. And so the law of the pendulum is a pendulum can never return to a point higher than the point from which it was released. Because of friction, because of gravity, uh, when the pend pendulum returns, it will fall short of its original release point. Each time, it takes a, it's, uh, each time it swings, it makes less and less of an arc until it is finally at rest. This point of rest is called the state of equilibrium, where all forces act up acting upon the pendulum are equal. So he attached a three-foot string to a child's toy, uh, toy top, and he secured it to the top of the blackboard, and he let that swing, and he just illustrated it very quickly. And so at the end, he, he asked the class, and, and he says, uh, so how many of you believe the law of the pen pendulum is true? And everyone, the teacher, the, the classmates, they all raise their hand. We all believe that the law of the pendulum is true. And so he, he talked to the teacher and he says, Now, uh, uh, Professor, could you come over here and sit in this chair? And the chair was lined up against the wall. And, uh, and it was the chair and then the wall. And a concrete wall on the other side of the room was a bowling ball. And attached to that bowling ball was a long string attached to the center of the room. And so he picked up the bowling ball and he carried it over within one inch of his nose to the, to the, uh, to the professor. He says, now do you believe in the law of the pendulum? And the professor said, uh, yes. He says, okay, so what we're going to demonstrate is your level of belief. And he let go of the bowling ball. And as that bowling ball came forward, it made its, its highest point on the other side. And you could see the professor sweating. And about the time it got halfway back to him, he got out of the chair and hit the floor. And Ken Davis says, he didn't really believe. You see, here's the, here's the reality. You never know how much you really believe until, in something until it's truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. Salvation is a matter of life and death. Accepting Jesus as God, accepting Him as your Savior is a matter of eternal life and death. If you don't believe, the sad, the sad thing is is that you will spend eternity in hell. If you do believe, God offers life 
He offers purpose. He offers hope. He offers joy. And this morning, the question is, will you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you come and be saved this morning if you've never accepted Him? You see, because that same invitation that those men rejected, Christ offers you today. How much longer? I don't know. That's why the Bible says, Behold, today is the day of salvation. And He invites you now. Would you bow your head with me?